The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Stomps, stomps, stomps. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Side Studies. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my right is Cherry Lewis. Hello. On my left is Ralph Hicks, straight out of Compton. Hey, what's up? And behind the glass is Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could throw in a little rocket sound in there, Andy. I'll, I'll find one. Of Giraffe Studio in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Represent. How's everybody doing? Yeah, how's everybody doing today? Yeah, good. good. Hey. I recorded a pop song earlier today. It came out pretty well. Good that, day, sunshine. That constitutes a good day when you record well, a pop song. It constitutes a good day when somebody pays you. Well, it's not real hard. When it's like challenging enough, but not a threatening amount of work that destroys anybody's ego, that's, that's the right amount. Mm -hmm. That's the right amount of difficulty. Yeah. Well, so you guys read the notes, I assume, or got them. Mm, yep. And today we're t discussing the mystery of God. I had a really great discussion with my uncle, AJ. He's the black gentleman that I talked about in some previous podcasts. And uh, he's been listening, and he was going to be a guest tonight. He unfortunately wasn't able to make it, so we're going to get him on a later show. And uh, that's when we're going to reveal the uh, outtake on being sheltered that uh, we thought might have been a little too racist. Uh, I sat with him and played it for him, and... Uh, he laughed, and then he sent me a text later, and he said, hey, man, you do a pretty good Forrest Gump. <laughs> I love AJ. He's a good guy. So I look forward to having him here. He is uh, very fond of paranormal and supernatural type things, which I thought would be interesting to kind of hear, you know, from his perspective what he thinks. You know, some of these things that we're talking about, he's not so familiar with them, but he's very familiar with, like, paranormal uh -huh. activity and stuff like that, you know. It's a fun hobby. It just depends on how seriously you take it. <laughs> there are some people that, like, you know, hang out in cemeteries and they have their little Ghostbusters apparatus ready to go, you know? It's pretty interesting. But this week we're getting into the mystery of God. So, Cherry, mm -hmm. tell me what you know about the mystery of God. What I know about the mystery of God. What is it? Just off the top of your head. The unknown of God. Okay. How about you, Ralph? God's plan of salvation through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Sure. What do you know about the mystery of God, Andy? Does he like uh does he like tomato based barbecue sauce or vinegar based barbecue <laughs> well, sauce? And, and what I think I think the biggest thing for me with the mystery is that it claims that all people are evil equal. Mm -hmm. So Jews and Gentile. And I think that's the biggest reason why the Jews killed Jesus and why they killed Paul and why they killed a whole bunch of other people, because they were worried. Um, you know, they were the chosen people. We are the ones. And you're talking blasphemy. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it's about. And it's such a unique story that how the mystery comes about and who it was given to and how he was supposed to release it. It is a remarkable story. Uh, so we're going to get into a little bit of Saul of Tarsus. So have, have you heard this name, Andy, Saul of Tarsus? I, on this very podcast. Have you? Yes. But never really before. You've heard nope. of the Apostle Paul? Yes. It's the same guy. Yeah. Saul, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. So 
I had talked about this before, about how uh, Stephen had been stoned to death, and they laid their cloaks at the feet of Paul, which is basically that, uh, or his name was Saul of Tarsus, which is in Turkey, that they'd laid the, the cloak down at his feet and had said, you know, which means that he was in agreement. He was in agreement with them killing a man uh, because he was preaching a gospel other than what they had. So what you were saying, like very jealous of their own faith. Um, so Saul of Tarsus basically was the henchman of the chief priests. He was going out, dragging Christians into prisons. Uh, he was beating them, breathing out slaughterings, it says. He was very, pretty much in a Christian's viewpoint, very evil. They were very scared of him. And so he goes to the chief priests. He's asked for these letters to go arrest more Christians that are down in Damascus. He is on the road to Damascus with the servants when suddenly a bright light hits him, knocks him on the ground, and blinds him. And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, he says. I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And then he sends him down, and I think I'd said this before, too, that uh, the man that God sends him to is a man named Ananias. Ananias, God comes to Ananias and says, there's a man by the name of Saul. He's going to come and see you, and I'm going to use him for my glory. And Ananias is so afraid. He says, do you know who this dude is? This dude's rough. Like, he's so scared. He even tells God, he's like, do you know who this guy is? Like, that's how bad he was. And so he goes down, Ananias puts his hands on Paul's eyes, the, his whatever it says, something like scales, scales falls off his eyes, and then you can see, and he baptizes him. And then Paul goes on, He Saul goes on his journey. Then the, as he's telling the gospel, they're coming after him, the chief priests are coming after him now, and then they lower him in a basket outside of the wall, and he escapes, and then... Goes to Paul. Yeah. I mean, and so Paul is the Greek version of the name Saul. Right. Well, he went to Peter after he was lowered, right? Well, actually, I think, didn't it say, I believe he goes away for like three years. He disappears. He doesn't want to go and talk to any of the disciples. He wants to make sure that the message that's been given to him by God is legitimate without having any influence from Jerusalem. Right, but before he left, he went to he went to Peter for two weeks, and then uh, uh, he was given a hard time about the people there until Barnabas stepped in and stepped up for him, and, mm -hmm. then, and then he left. Was that before he went away to Arabia? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. It was right after he uh, <clears throat> was lowered down and we escaped. He went to Peter's. Wow. So I wasn't aware of that. Good on that. So then he goes on. We all know the Apostle Paul and his missionary journeys where he travels and he's planning churches. Uh, he goes, whether he's in Asia or in Greece, uh, wherever he goes. And by the time we get to the book of Ephesians, which we're going to be reading out of today, uh, he's already been in prison for about five years for this very gospel that he's been teaching. And that's what we're going to get into. So I would like to read, do you have the ESV version here by any chance? I have your version and I have, I think that's New King James is what okay. I usually read out of. I'm going to pull up, I'm going to read a lot today, okay? A whole lot today. And I really want you to just close your eyes and listen to what this man this man wrote. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. 
Originally, it was going to be two and three, but I'm going to do all three. So it's a lot of words, guys. If you're going to sit and listen to this, you know, it, it's, I'm reading it out of the ESV so that you can understand it a little bit better. Well, something, too, to, to trump on your point that you said about, uh, he, he said, hey, you, you know who this guy is? You know how bad he is? Yeah. When he got to Peter's, everyone that was there was speaking up against him and saying everything. And it wasn't until Barnabas, Barnabas came in and said, hey, this guy has been converted. I've seen this, that, that you know, that he was accepted. Mm, okay. So maybe it's while he's away is where he where God reveals the mystery to him. And then when he comes back, by this point, Peter has already had that time with Cornelius in the book of Acts where the sheet comes down and he tells him to kill and eat, you know, and he says, I want anything unclean. Don't call anything that I call clean, clean, God says. And so from there, they pretty much get the understanding that now the gospel is for the Gentiles as well. So we're going to start in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in beloved. In the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory." (coughs) In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Boy, that's a lot to be said. And that's just the first chapter. He just spoke a mouthful. Okay. Now, here we go. The main focus is on uh, chapter two and in the beginning of chapter three. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, 
following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you keep noticing him talking about being in the heavenly places? He says it over and over. This is like the third time he said that we're seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, Verse 7, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And again, he says here, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ." For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That ends chapter 2. Chapter 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Did you notice that? Did you really pay attention to that, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations? It's not in the Old Testament. As it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given 
to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for every one what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. And then it goes on to his prayer where he says, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And we'll stop there. That's a mouthful, guys. There's a whole lot. I mean, you could spend, there are books and books and books and books written on this particular epistle. It's very uh, full of amazing information. But the things that I wanted you to notice about the mystery, fellow heirs, do you know how explosive that was in his time? Yeah, because that was saying, hey, we're going to open the gates to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, pretty much from the beginning, we've talked about in our previous side studies that during whenever Babel, the Tower of Babel was being made, that God, you know, separated all these people and had 70 nations and put a rule over all of them. Yep, exactly. But then that he made a covenant with Abraham, and that's the covenants of promise. He told Abraham, through you, uh, through your seed, many nations will be blessed, and he would fulfill that. And that's where Abraham and then his son Isaac and then Jacob, and then through Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. And that's where this promise is continued. And so Israel becomes a nation, and then they become bondservants and slaves in Egypt, and he delivers them out of there and with Moses and brings them in, you know, through the Red Sea and through these 40 years of the wilderness. And then they cross the Jordan with Joshua and they get into the promised land. And then they're having all of these battles and then they get, you know, they become apostate and then God sends countries in and wipes them out. And it's, you know, there's the judges when there was, every man was a law unto himself. And then God would, you know, send someone like Samson or Deborah or someone there to lead them. And, you know, all the while God wants to be their king, but they just don't want him as their king. And so finally they keep asking for a king. And the next thing you know, Saul, not Saul of Tarsus, but King Saul becomes their king. But it's, but he is from the tribe of Benjamin. He's not the one that, that God wants. And so later on, God uses Samuel and that's where they bring David, the son who slays the giant, you know, and who becomes the king. And then through him, become, you know, comes Solomon. And then from Solomon, there's Jeroboam. And you, you just keep, you, you keep going down the line and it's this covenant of that they are Yahweh's people. They He told them, strangers and aliens, you can take care of them and do right by them. And there was a place even in the temple where the Gentiles could come. But they were never a, an heir of anything. They were separate. And these were God's people. But they kept turning their back on him kept turning their back on God and kept turning their back on God. And he, you know, he exiles them down to Babylon. That was foretold by Jeremiah. And then he talks about it in his lamentation. And it's going to be seven, 70 years that they're in this exile. And then they get, they come back and they rebuild the temple again after the temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And so now they can worship again. And so through this whole time period from the exile all the way until the time of Christ, 
Malachi is the last prophet, and you don't hear anything. There's silence for 400 years, no prophet of God, and then suddenly Christ arrives on the scene. And as I said before, all hell had broken loose by the time that Christ arrives. There's demon possession. The devil is tempting him. There's all these things. This giant war in the heavenly places is going on. So Paul says, hey, there is something that no one ever knew that's been revealed to me that I'm going to tell. Now, we look in the Old Testament, we see prophecy about the Christ, we see him about the Messiah, but we don't realize that there is a, a mystery, something that God has kept hidden, and that is that the Gentile is going to be co-equal with a Jew. Why did he keep, do you, do you have an idea why he kept it secret? Yes. Oh, that I didn't find. Because, do you remember me telling you about how these fallen angels and Satan, how they had been at war with God, that they had corrupted the image, Adam had corrupted man? And it says in, I can't remember which verse, I think it's 1 Corinthians 15, and I will look it up before, don't let me forget. But he says that had they known what truly was going to happen, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. Because basically what happened was God kept this hidden, that the Messiah would come, but the Messiah would be innocent and would fulfill the law in his own flesh and then would suffer and die. And that when he died, it would pay for the penalty of sin in all mankind and therefore render Satan powerless. He wouldn't, and then he would do away with Satan. And that was always said, and that was an understood. Even the demons were aware of it. But the mystery was that what Christ did, he fulfilled everything in the law. And then he, before the world was even made, before, before the foundations of the world, he was the lamb slain. It was always known. And Paul's the one that tells us that, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, that when he dies and he's resurrected and sits on the right hand of God, it's over for all of the other gods, for all of the other fallen angels. It's done. And we have access. Okay. So Paul also in Ephesians chapter two, you saw where he's talking about that Christ became the cornerstone. All right. So I want to bring up something in current events and then I'll get into my notes. Okay. I don't know why. But recently I've had people come to my office behind closed doors and ask me questions like, do you honestly think that if you take this vaccine, for instance, for the coronavirus, that it's the mark of the beast? And I'm like, well, no, but why are you asking the question? And they say, well, there's places in the scripture that say that you won't be able to buy and sell. And some this man's wife has been fired from her job because she refused to take the vaccine. There are some nurses that don't want to take the vaccine. There's not enough information in their minds to where they feel like they should take it. Uh, the media is divided, like right down the middle, about whether you should take this vaccine or not. There's a lot of people that say, hey, the only way we're going to get rid of this is if we all get vaccinated. And there's a lot of people that say, hey, I don't trust that vaccine. I don't trust what's in it. I don't think there's enough research. I definitely don't think it's solving the problem. I can tell you from personal experience— that there's someone that I know who has a classroom 
okay? And in this classroom, her assistant who had the vaccine got the coronavirus. And this is, guys, this is a while after the vaccine was taken. I mean, this is already like the second shot and it's been like two months. Got this latest variant and has been terribly ill. And this is after the vaccine. And she hasn't had the vaccine and she's fine. She gets diagnosed with COVID and she has absolutely no symptoms. Okay. Now, that's not my point. My point is, is that there's not, it's, there's not enough information, really. It makes sense why you would want to get vaccinated, but there's a lot of people that who are religious who have heard preached behind pulpits for a long time that there would come a mark of the beast, and if you took this mark, you would no longer be able to buy and sell. Why is this the mark? It's not. But, the, but why do they think it's the mark? You're just like, it's such an arbitrary line to draw, like, this is the thing. No, it's not. It's the hot button political topic. It's not the mark of the beast. You're just you've you've taken a convenient thing and you've and you've at, you've attributed this other much more significant, at least if you believe, thing to that. And it's just like no, it's have you not just taken a ton of other medications and stuff like have you never left the country you mm-hmm. know what i mean you're gonna get a, a row of vaccines if you've been in the military you've had a gajillion vaccines <laughs> right? and it's just like this is the hot button argument of the day and it's just so lazy mm-hmm. that it just drives me nuts like why here why is the line here you couldn't have put it somewhere more interesting stir in the pot yeah so, and I'm with you on that one. However, just because a person might be ignorant doesn't mean that they don't have a constitutional right to to not take it in this country. They have a right to not take it. They do. Until the Constitution changes and says, by law, you have to take it. It's a constitutional right. Is it, though— I, is it, I, yeah, I was going to say there, there's a special dispensation for some things, and I think that it could be – there are ways it could be mandated sure. that, uh, you know, you take it or you can't leave your house or you can't this or you can't that. And mm-hmm. I mean, they've already the, – the, the Supreme Court's already upheld certain places' uh, right to tell you that you have to take it or you can't come back to work, and that's been upheld. Mm-hmm. So I think if, the, if it got bad and it got to that point, I think the president could find a way – I mean, we're to required to have auto insurance. Mm-hmm. And and drunk driving isn't illegal because you could kill yourself. Right. Drunk driving is illegal because it protects people that aren't actually involved in the yeah, crime. Yeah, you can kill someone else. Yeah, yeah. but that's a state-by-state state case. That's, drunk that driving is not a state-by-state state case. No, but insurance is. Insurance is a state-by-state state case. You can live, you can go in Tennessee and not have car insurance if you'd like. The The point is that... It's not based on the effect of yourself. It is based on the possible good for society. That's what you that's what the law is based on. You can't tell somebody maybe there's a way you could this is parsing, but you can't necessarily say you can't take the vaccine or you have to take the vaccine. But you can say in order to be involved in public life, mm-hmm. You have to. Now, you can decide not to take the vaccine if you're willing to not be involved in public life. But yeah. once it becomes a once it becomes a thing where it affects other people, it's not only your decision just because it's yours. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's the same same stupid argument with the—I hate to drag this one out because it's such a 
got a contentious issue, but but it's just like okay, so so now it's a hundred percent personal choice, but then like you get into abortion and that that can be your choice can be legislated there. It's just I don't know. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have brought that up. And where's the man's, cho- and where's the the man's choice in that? Don't strike it from the record. Because just, it brings up a good point. And where's the man's choice in that? If a man, if, if you were together and a woman gets pregnant, where's the man's choice if he wants to have the kid? I, I, he he I has think just as much right as she does. I think generally, yes, a man does get a vote. Yeah, I think usually that is the way. I think when you get together, that's when you've decided, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think well, be smart ahead of time. Don't strike it from the record because it brings up a very good point, but we don't need to get into the discussions of abortion here. It's nowhere near yeah. topic. I guess my point that it's I was coming up, up to the Supreme Court soon enough. Well, and so is, you know, tonight President Biden's going to be talking about, you know, the state of affairs Climate. with the, you know, the coronavirus. He's talking about that tonight. So we'll see, you know, what he has to say. Maybe he'll say, if you don't take it, you can never buy and sell. And then we'll have a civil war. <laughs> and then, yeah, we'll be wrong. I think there's going to be a lot of climate we're talk in there, too. <laughs> Probably. But my point was is that people have been coming and asking me, you know, you read the Bible a lot. Do you think it's the mark of the beast? And I'm like, no, I don't think it's the mark of the beast. Um, but, and so I can, for me, from my perspective, when I try to read the scriptures and tell them, you know, I don't have the same, like, Christian eschatological view, which is the study of end times and how you believe Revelation, whether you think Christ is, you know, coming and some point and all of this. So when I read these scriptures to them and I try to tell them and comfort them, it's it doesn't work because it's not according to their view. So there is an endless reason to argue with this stuff. Like we, you'll always find a reason to argue with people, especially about religion and politics. It's never going to end. That's always the thing. So we decided to start a religious uh, podcast and talk about politics. You know, that's right. <laughs> At least it's interesting. All wise choices. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Right. So. Uh, but I wanted to bring up the point about what Paul says about the Spirit and about the temple, okay? He says that that you are given the Spirit, if you, if you trust in Christ, that you're given the Spirit, and that is the guarantee of your position in, within the temple, okay? That's kind of like when you think about the Gentiles, like they were able to come in to the temple, but only into the certain point of the temple. They couldn't go into the, you know, the deeper areas of the temple. All right. Only specific Jews could go in there. And then from that point, when you start going to the inner chambers, like the Holy of Holies, only the chief priest, you know, of Israel could go into the inner chamber. What he's saying is that all of that stuff, since Christ was crucified, that that veil was opened. And there's two ways of looking at the veil being opened. One, you can look at the veil and say, hey, now we have access to the Holy of Holies. But two, it also sort of exposed them because that room was empty. There, that the Holy of Holies didn't have the Ark of the Covenant in it, and it didn't have the mercy seat. So if he was taking blood in there, according to their law, to sprinkle the blood of a sacrificed lamb onto the mercy seat, where was the mercy seat? What were they sprinkling it on? Nothing. He was really opening. So there's two ways of looking at that veil. It exposed them as that you are worshiping nothing. It's certainly not him. And two, it's now been made open to where the Holy of Holies has changed, and Christ is the Holy of Holies. He is the main priest. He is the one where, because of the Spirit, we have access, and He is the chief cornerstone of the temple. Now, if your Christian eschatological view of the end times is that Christ is soon coming, and everybody's watching, and they think it's going to happen, you have to have a temple. It's scriptural. You have to have a temple. 
And so I've said this before in this podcast, everybody's waiting for a temple to be built over in Israel just so the Antichrist can come, just so the war in Armageddon can start. I don't know why everybody's in such a hurry to have this gigantic Armageddon, but it, it's not going to be great. Well, we're not going to see it because we're going to be raptured and we're going to, you know, we're gonna, let's hurry up so a whole lot of people can die and we can get out of here. That's kind of the thought. Am I wrong? That's what they're saying. That's not very loving at all. I'm sorry. Your end times view are very bizarre and twisted, and you're believing a message that isn't accurate. I'm sorry. It's just not accurate, okay? So in the mystery, Paul is trying to say that, guess what? We are all equal. All of us. We have a little song. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. What does he say? What's the other one? Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That's another song. These are kids' songs, and they have more theology than churches today, really. Honestly, they 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 sing these little songs for the kids, and then they raise them up to believe something completely opposite. Taking a strong stand today, Rick. Hey, buddy. Here's the fact, okay? The message that we are trying to to preach to others right now. The churches today are saying that Israel is still the chosen people of God. Have you heard that, Cherry? Yes. Have you heard? Now, they also say that because Israel is still the chosen people of God, they have their own special connection. They still have the oracles of God. They have their special connection. We are in the church. We are the other promise, but they have their own way. You've heard this preached, right? It is a lie. It's a lie. You just read it. There is neither Jew nor Greek. The Old Testament temple was destroyed. There is no Levitical priesthood. There is never going to be. There, there was a cornerstone for a new temple. There was one that was laid. And you know what it was? The death of Jesus? Christ was... Yeah. It took the atheist to tell me. <laughs> the cornerstone of the temple was Christ, and they rejected the cornerstone. The temple will never be built in Jerusalem, folks. I'm sorry. And every time Hamas throws a bomb over the wall and they start bombing Jerusalem, everybody's like, it's the end times, and here we go. What does it say in Revelation? Guys, there will never be a temple built there. It'll never happen. The nation of Israel, they are not the Levitical priesthood. They are not even the same Jewish race of the time that were apostate Jews that were destroyed in AD 70 whenever Rome sieged and destroyed that city and that temple, okay? So the mystery that Paul is talking about is that we are all a part of it if we choose Christ. So why wouldn't we choose him? Why wouldn't we choose him? Ignorance, other people saying that it's not true and that you should believe what they say, people being raised as Muslim people, being raised as other things. Yeah, there's all kinds of reasons why you wouldn't believe it. Now, if you are a Christian, and I've said this a million times in this podcast, if you are not showing love, if you are not treating others with respect and dignity, okay, you're not acting like one of his. But so that doesn't mean that you're out of the kingdom. No, no, of course not. But there are those that say things like that. There are. There are plenty of sects that say all kinds of reasons why you can't get in. They've got all kinds of reasons. But Christ did it before the foundation of the world. It says that we were predestined to be in him. That's what he's saying. That's something I don't understand about Judaism. Every religion that I know of, you have a choice. 
and you can come in. But with Jews, you're either your mother was Jewish or you're never Jewish. Now, you can convert to the faith, but they don't want you to convert because I tried to convert once and went through three months of talking with someone because I like a lot of things about the Jewish faith and the, mostly the way they treat family and how they do things and how they study. But uh, I was discouraged all along the way. You don't want to do this, and you shouldn't do this, and you're not right for this. Instead of, like, you go to any other religion, and they're like, yeah, come on in. We'll talk to you. We'll do this. We'll do that. No, if, you're not, if, you're not, if your mother's not a Jew, we don't want you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've definitely heard that about converting before. That they actually that's like a part of the program is the discouragement. That's a kind of built into the machine. It and not an accident. Hmm. Yeah. It's like your first year of uh music college at Berkeley. Oh man, they are gonna just beat the ever loving stuffing out of you. I think Berkeley has an attrition, I'll call it an attrition rate of like fifty percent after the first year or something. It's buzz it's it's like it's, getting into the seals. It's brutal. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Sorry. That was a weird aside that had not much to I do like with the I like your word subject. of machine that you said earlier, though, because you could – when you said machine, I thought, oh, the Pope. That <laughs> <laughs> may sound ignorant, but I thought it was only to the Jews that they were the only ones who still felt that there was a, a difference and an unequalness between – the Gentile and the Jew. Well, I would sure they do because they would be the only ones that would right, be Jewish they, and everyone else would be Gentile, so no one else would think that. Yeah, they didn't accept Christ. And so, you know, you were saying, well, you know, Paul reveals that everybody's equal. To my understanding, I thought the only people who still thought we weren't equal were the Jews. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. In regard to our faith, what we're talking about. Okay. But it, it is true, though, because even I've heard people still repeat the uh, Jews are God's chosen people. That is, a, mm -hmm. that is a thing that's still repeated. It doesn't feel like it comes with weight where I've heard it, though. It's not usually. So when it's repeated out in the pulpit, is it standing only on the basis that the Jew still believes this? Or when it's stated in a pulpit that the person preaching it is stating that the Jews in Israel are God's chosen people? Mm -hmm. and that we're the Jews in Israel were God's chosen people. But Paul made it clear that not Israel is Israel. That's part of the mystery, too. And I don't know that I remember any teachings in the last many years of in the New Testament where they talk about the Jews being the chosen people. Oh, it's that's rife a, that's in a, the church right now. That's it, Yeah, but it's a lot of Old Testament. When they're talking about Old Testament, then a lot that comes up a lot. But oh, they're like, when they're doing future prophecy Christ and they believe that. I've not heard anything. They believe that Israel are God's chosen people. And they but say, don't, don't mess with Israel. Israel. Don't yeah. you mess with Israel because if you mess with Israel, you're messing with God's chosen people. Wrong. That is not true. We are yeah, his chosen people. Uh, I've never understood why we've given them such status. That's a weird thing that you hear amongst the sort of people that are, as you say, not your words, mine, excited about the end of the world. That is <laughs> that is a thing that those same people seem to believe in and talk about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're not Jews, necessarily. They're no. Christians that are excited about the end of the world. Jews are and, still waiting for the Messiah, let alone yeah, the end of the world. Right. Yeah, and so that's that's the point. And when we get into the Olivet Discourse next week, and you'll see, you know, that they were waiting. The disciples themselves were like, when are you going to come into your kingdom? And when's the sign of the end of the age? And when when is all this going to happen? Like, they're seeing this, and, and Jesus answers it to them directly, you know, in their own time. Like, he answers the question. 
And today, you know, people are reading this book again, like I've said it a million times, reading it like a newspaper. You know, they pick up Revelation and it says, soon, oh man, it's going to happen anytime. It's like, man, that was written like 2,000 years ago. Soon is, you know, sort of a relative, relative term, yeah. obviously, for you. But, you know, they needed to do a paradigm shift about the end of times because they're like, hurry, 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 let's get this temple built so we can get this war on the road. You know, I want to get out of here and I want everybody else to suffer and die and then I want to get onto the goods. And it's like, you need to slow down just a little bit. That doesn't sound very happy and loving to me. You know, let's hurry up and get this. You know that there's going to be blood to the withers of a horse. I mean, I can't wait. I ain't going to be here, but it's going to happen. You know, and it's like, God, you guys need to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal, you know. So this man that gets the, that Saul, or what in Hebrew is Shaul, I love that, you know, but who is now uh, in Greece and is called Paul has been given this mystery, and he's sharing the gospel. And I want everybody to understand something. You know how I pick on prosperity gospel preachers? I'm going to show to you why <laughs> I pick on them, okay? So let's listen to this real quick. I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This wasn't in your notes, guys, but I just thought of it just now. Starting with verse 1, he said, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, he's talking about the church to Christ, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. You put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. <laughs> That's the ESV, I love it. Super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking— I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way, we have made this plain to you and all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light." Do you guys remember in the book of Adam and Eve, whenever they were trying to do their penance, what he disguised himself as? Oh, God, I, I forget. An angel of light. Yeah, it was, okay, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, look at this. So he must have known the life of Adam and Eve, that book, because that's the only time it says it. He disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Now, listen to this, prosperity gospel preachers. I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence— I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. 
If you guys want to talk about what you can do in the flesh, guys, um, let me show okay. you what I can do. Are you ready? For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far great, greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Now listen, get your health, get your wealth, guys. Just give me $1,000. I'll send you a napkin. All is good. You're going to get what you want. Listen to what Paul got for sharing the mystery of God. Verse 24, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. You know how Jesus was beaten nearly to death with the cat of nine tails? That's what we're talking about. Five times he went through that. And by the way, you were allowed to get struck 40 times, but just to be safe, they only hit you 39. That happened to him five times. So what's five times 39? Is that mathematically, what is that? Uh, no, too many, too many nines. I can only imagine what his back looks like. Hmm. Three times, I, yeah, I think you're probably wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we got a beautiful mind up in here. One, um, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure." And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Oh, and by the way, it's 195. Yep, I was going to say that. Both of us went, I went <laughs> to my phone. Yeah, No, I didn't. I just... You redid it. I just, when I was saying it, I said 199 instead of 195. He got whipped 195 times. Oof. That, just because he just was telling whipping. people, just because he was saying, the Jews are equal with us. Okay. He was saying the Jews were equal with us, mm. and they were beating him to death. They stoned Not him Not unlike to death. what they did to Martin Luther King. Yeah, precisely. I mean, yeah, it's awful. So, this mystery of God basically has been from the foundation of the world. It was something that God put in place, but the heavenly rulers weren't aware of it. And neither were the prophets. They didn't know the total story. They knew the Messiah was coming but they didn't know that the Gentiles were going to be co-heirs. That's why it's a new revelation. That's why... Go ahead. Something I've never understood. Certain sects of people, including Christians, but primarily Jewish people, and when I'm talking about history and things I've been taught and told, all of these people on the earth, all of these races on the earth, and they're the chosen ones and their way is the only way because if you're not born of a Jewish woman. So I've, I've always kind of, I look at all of the different religions and when they say our way is the only way, what are they doing about going out into the earth, the world and converting people? And I get back to what I said earlier, Jews aren't trying to convert people. Hmm. Well, Jesus said that they did. Jesus said they went across... All the seas to convert one proselyte and made him twice the son of hell than when he started. You ever heard that? Mm -mm. Yeah, Jesus said that. Talking about 
making a proselyte out of them. Yeah, I think that was the first <laughs> they still sentence come, of your note. I don't know. I don't know if it was in there or not. I wrote a lot of notes. <laughs> All right, so uh, so let's talk about this real quick. Um, Ephesians two twenty one through twenty two. What we read a little earlier. Uh, well, actually, two nineteen through twenty two about into a holy temple where God now dwells. Um, we are a new city, a new family, and a new temple. So those are the metaphors that he leaves about the Church of Jesus Christ. That we are a new city, a new family, and a new temple. Now, according to Revelation, what's going to come? A new city. A new temple, correct? And the Spirit of God will dwell with them, all right? Ephesians 2, 21. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And I just have to say something really quick. Um, I forgot to thank him at the top of the the episode, but I want to thank um, Pastor David B. Curtis out of the Berean Bible Church in Virginia Beach. He has a tremendous resource, and I know you've shared some, and I forgot who you said, um, and I want you to remind me of the woman that you were talking about uh, out in California, but they have a tremendous resource there, and a lot of the things that I study, I have found, uh, he has available on his website, especially when it gets into like the Greek words and Hebrew words, and he, he's tremendous with Hebrew, so I want to thank uh, Pastor David Curtis for that. I've never met the man, but he has these tremendous resources, and they're all free, and you can use them, and I think it's great. You know, I love that. And so that's why I'm going to charge for this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody gets my jokes anymore. Well, first, we're going we're gonna to repeat all of his resources. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> one, of my, one of my big financial plans. Uh, you remember back kind of behind where Lowe's is, there used to be a place and there was a bunch of empty, like, 50-gallon barrels out there. And there was yeah. like a thing. And if you wanted a 50-gallon barrel, you just like put a, the appropriate amount of money in a wooden box mm-hmm. and like take the barrel. And I always wanted to just move all the barrels across the street. This is before there was a house there and, and put my own sign up. That was like his barrels, but my sign directly across the street from him. <laughs> and if like he wanted 10 bucks for the barrel, I wanted to like just move all the barrels across the street, put a sign that said they were eight bucks. <laughs> of course I never did it, but. Yeah, or you could have asked for twenty and then put ten in on the other cro- across the street every time. I believe they they call that the dishonor system. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you can steal a man's barrels and sell them across the street for two dollars less. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. because of who we described, who Paul was in the beginning of this, how he was a murderous man, came after Christians, and then God changed his life forever. And then he went through all of this suffering just so that he could get this message out that we were all equal, that we were all equal, and if we if we call on Christ, then we become a part of that holy temple, right? So let's listen to something else. So I, I'm really curious what Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and Joel Osteen and all these guys think about this verse found in the scriptures. Uh, Philippians 1.29, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So I'm sure everybody heard the believing part, but how about the suffering part? No, I'm, I don't believe that they all did hear necessarily that part. No, they didn't. They didn't hear it at all. And it says it has been granted. All right. So the Greek verb. How do we know that just because they may not be suffering monetarily, that they aren't suffering well, in other ways? I mean, every damn human is suffering. Have you? Well, no, met? I'm just yes. talking about, you know. It, it, because I'm picking on them. I get where you're no, coming from. No, 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 no. I'm just saying in order to do things for Christ, you suffer a lot of things. 
uh, criticism from people, sometimes from your friends. Uh, my friends accept me for who I am, but when I start talking about that, that's when I get the heckles. Uh, so, now that's just that's just how I feel. As far as the suffering, you know, Kenneth Copeland's suffering and what he's suffering. You know, I don't know his personal life. What is he suffering? Um, well, you talked about in here all his the... jet. You know, his jet gets a little bit more turbulence than the others. Oh, no, mm-hmm. no, no, but you don't know some of the spiritual things he might be going through yeah. or the other things in life that, you know, he may, we don't know this because we're not in his finances. And mm-hmm. I've, we've seen all the things about his jet and his this and his that, but we don't know that, you know, maybe he's giving uh, most of things, the money away. And yeah, he's living high off the hog and I, maybe I he should or maybe he shouldn't, but about, I, don't say anywhere in the, I don't say anything in the Bible where no, it says you shouldn't about his riches, be rich. But, no, it's not about his riches. It's not. I don't have a problem with the riches. Right, but part. we don't know. We. I'm just saying we don't it's the know. Message. It's the message that I have a problem with. The message. It's not his riches. the The love of money is the root of all evil. Not the the possession of money. Right. I mean, you can possess money and you can be you can treat things well. I mean, look at Job. Job was super rich, right? He lost it and he got double back. He was still righteous. That's not. That's not the point. The message is is that if you will give a certain amount to my ministry, to this ministry. Yeah. God will bless you. Well, I don't remember. I, I know there's them. a lot of people on there that say that. I just don't know that some of the ones you're saying, Joel and, and Creflo, I don't know. I've heard that. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of their stuff. I just don't know if I've heard those words, I, those I will, exact words. I I'm not, not saying that, that about Joel don't. Osteen. I, I can't say that about Joel Osteen. He doesn't preach the prosperity gospel the same way. I've seen a lot of preachers on there do that, though. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of them. Uh, yeah, that, uh, Kenneth you know, Copeland is one of them. Absolutely. Creflo Dollar is another. And that is where, and then you see these other pastors that get on there and they will bless this napkin and give us a thousand dollars and we'll send this napkin. Oh, you. We'll I send you this watch holy water Jimmy to Swaggart you. and watch him cry and ask for some money. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's Actually, wild. I don't love it. It's awful. Well, I'm just saying that when in here, and as I'm studying this with what you wrote and what I saw in other things, Paul suffered in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that uh, people that preach the gospel today, uh, most of them suffer in different ways. And, um, you know, for Creflo Dollar, if he's got a whole bunch of money, but he's uh, doing God's work and God feels he's doing his work, yada, 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 and he may be suffering in ways that we don't know. And some of those may be um, caused by himself because there's some things that have happened in his personal life that he's caused, but that's not to say he's not suffering for Christ. And is it worth it that he's suffering for Christ and asking for money if that money is going to good? I mean, $74 million buys a lot of plane. There is an—listen to this is David Curtis uh, from Virginia Beach. I love this quote. He said, There's an error today called open theism that teaches that God is not sovereign over the tragic things that happen. He is just as upset as you are, but he can't do anything about it. They teach that. I'm sure you've heard some of these churches that actually do that. They are trying to get God off the hook for all of the evil and suffering in the world, but it is fundamentally unbiblical. In the Bible, God makes it clear that he is sovereign over everything, including our trials. You can find examples of this in Exodus 4.11, Isaiah 45.7, and Amos 3.6. Also, by denying God's sovereignty over our trials, the open theists take away the only source of comfort in our trials, namely that our sovereign, loving Lord is working it out for our good, which is something that we've—how many times have you said that? You know, 
all things work together for the good of those of God and who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. 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 I mean, we all, we all know that verse, but it's like, we only believe half of it. We don't believe the rest of it. So to, to sort of wrap up this, I, I just want to say that the mystery of God is that Gentiles and Jews are co-heirs with Christ that were equal and that Judaism of the time was, it was really against it. Now, Paul himself did not teach Jews not to get circumcised. That's true. He did not teach. He them even that. had who was it that he had Timothy? Steve, Timothy. Yeah. He had Timothy, you know, circumcised. But he's to, he told the the Greeks or the Gentiles, you don't have to. You didn't have the covenant of promise. This isn't the same. You're not a Jew. But he didn't tell the Jews not to. Now that's that was a lie that was spread about him, and that's why he ended up in prison. It was because well, and the other one of the other lies was when he was in the temple, he was saying that they that he was bringing in Gentiles into the temple when that, at that particular time there were people traveling from abroad that were Jews, uh, mainly from Asia at that time, Asian and they Jews, were that's right. they were uh, calling them uh, non-Jews and blaming. Uh, him for bringing them in, and that mm-hmm. was something else that they were trying to trumped up charge. Yeah, and and whenever they're believe it or not, he used he was a Roman citizen, and so he used Rome to help him escape. Right. You know, to to get out of this mess. Now he was put in he was put under a house arrest. He was he was able to rent his own home and stay, and then a Roman soldier could stay with him. And I think that his was name under was, Felix. It was yeah, and so he and was he held. was there for two years, and then Felix kept him a little bit longer, and I then think that sent was him in Caesarea, on. and then he went on to Rome, and he stayed in Rome for three years. So he was in prison for five years, and he wrote these four letters, all because he preached that message that you are equal with a Jew in the eyes of God. That's what it was all about. Entrenched power structures don't like change. No, they don't. That's really true. Anyway, so. That ends this particular study. Uh, I'm hoping that in the future I'll be able to have some place where I can place my notes. So if people want to go read them, they can. As of right now, I don't have anything like that, but I probably will. Maybe by the time the show airs, you can go to our website, theburrowsofberea.com, which does not exist right now. Some place <laughs> where the where there's no comment section at all. Ever. Do you have the domain? Never. Name? No comments. Never. Huh? Do you have the domain? No, but I'll get it before I release this to anybody. Unless there's some wackadoo out there that's got the burrows of Berea.com. Who would they have that? You know? I do, and it'll be $2,000. <laughs> Send me a text message. I'll log into my domain account and see if it's available. Yeah, exactly. So that's the end of this episode. Next week, we will be back with the whole drove of asses. And we are going to get into what is not really a side study. It is a study that's going to go from week to week to week till we finish out this season on the Olivet Discourse. And we are going to learn about the end of the age or the end of time. So are you going to be talking about Revelation? Yes, but we're going to be using Matthew 23, Matthew 24, and the parables of Matthew 25 um, in conjunction with Revelation, Daniel, and Zechariah so that you can put it all together. Because Christ, what he says on the Mount of Olives, aligns with all that uh, he said. And it's we're going to look at it from a preterist viewpoint. Have you ever heard of preterism? No. So preterists believe that Christ, uh, his second coming happened already, that it happened in uh, the first century. So we're looking at it from the preterist preterist point of view in this study, because it's a study that not many people know today, but it takes the time statements 
that are said, like, this generation shall not pass away, or there are some standing here who will not taste death until these things take place, or very soon, you know, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, to 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 you on things that will soon take place. It was always soon, now, next generation, this generation, blah, 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 you know, all of this stuff. So we're looking at it from the preterist point of view instead of a futurist point of view. I think it's a shame, and and most people do this, and that's why they go to coaches and training and this, that, and the other, but people get stuck in life and in their search for uh, Jesus and then their search for everything else in their life. They get stuck on things. Or, and they make excuses, well, I didn't this, or this is coming, or this is here, or this. And they're, they're concentrating on the wrong thing instead of concentrating on themselves and doing concentrating on what's in front of them and doing what they're supposed to do in their world with their people and affect who they can affect. And some people affect one person, and like John Maxwell, who affects millions of people, we all affect different, but it's your job to concentrate on yourself, not get distracted or sidetracked, and do what you're meant to do. And I think... Too many people get sidetracked. I agree with you on that one. All right, so joke of the day. Oh, no. Well, actually, there are two of them. Oh, this one's for you, Ralph. What's a Catholic you, joke. It is. What do you call a sleepwalking nun? You got it? No. A roaming Catholic? Oh. <laughs> wow. You're excused for not getting that. Yeah. Um, Turn off the mics and I'll tell you one. <laughs> <laughs> They're off, Ralph. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, the other one, an old preacher was dying. He sent a message for his banker and his lawyer, both church members, to come to his home. When they arrived, they were ushered up to his bedroom. As they entered the room, the preacher held out his hands and motioned for them to sit on each side of the bed. The preacher grasped their hands sighed contentedly, smiled, and stared at the ceiling. For a time, no one said anything. Both the banker and lawyer were touched and flattered that the preacher would ask them to be with him during his final moments. They were also puzzled. The preacher had never given them any indication that he particularly liked either of them. They both remembered his many long, uncomfortable sermons about greed, covetousness, and avarice behavior. That made them squirm in their pews. Finally, the banker couldn't take it any longer and said, Preacher, why did you ask us to come? The old preacher mustered up his strength and then weakly said, before expiring, Jesus died between two thieves and that's how I want to go. Wow. I have a couple of notes real quick uh, that might just get chopped off, but I wrote these down when you were reading. The Prince of the Power of Air, is that... Is that Jesus? No. No. Okay. Who's the prince of the power there? So the prince of the power of the air is Satan. Okay. So according to the scripture, um, at this point, after our sites today on Satan, he is the king of this world. Okay. By given the license to do so. So he is called the prince of the power of the air, which is awesome because when we get into the Olivet Discourse, and I, I bet you, I bet you, Ralph, you've never thought of this. This is so cool. Maybe you have. Let's see. So... Whenever it says in Thessalonians, he says he's going to comfort the Thessalonians, and he says that, um, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, that um, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And he said in, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, correct? But he says that the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain 
shall be caught up together where? Bam! In the air. So who's the prince of the power of the air? But what happens at this point? He no longer is. Because they get caught up. They get brought up. In the air. Satan no longer has the power. Anyway, what's your other note, Andy? Uh... Paul says he was a prisoner of Christ. Did he mean like metaphorically? Like a No, he actually was a prisoner of Christ. As a matter of fact, give me a second to um because if, if he had been a prisoner of the Jew, he would have been very distraught and upset about that. If he was a prisoner of the Romans, you know, he could have argued that point. But what he's saying is that he was exactly where God wanted him to be because of the gospel. Okay. He wasn't a prisoner in a bad way, he was a prisoner of his own making. That's kind of how I took it. But I was just like, oh, that's an interesting phrase. It's kind of like you behind the glass. You're in a prison of your that's own right. making. Yeah, that's right. I built this up, and then I locked myself in it 12, 12 hours a day, six days a week. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite that much, but it can be like that. Uh, can I play the cello instead of my little violin? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd rather play some jello. <laughs> anyway, what else you got, Andy? Uh, I, got, I got one more. Uh, tax stamp seems to be the the most direct correlation to the descriptions I've heard of the Mark of the Beast. Tax stamp? A tax stamp, yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When we, oh, and by the way, I did some research, and you remember a long time ago when we were talking about the Mark, you said that had some sort of reference ancient times. Like, what Oh, yeah, was I it? just, I figured, I figured, yeah, I figured it meant something to them that we're just... So we don't even know what it is. Yeah, we're, we only talk, we only have that discussion because we don't have their reference point. Well, but I think I at that time that we're going to be given a choice. I think the problem with society is, and this is something I try to stress with my children and myself, I have it written down in front of me every single day, think... Uh, people are going to hear uh, that this is the mark of the beast, and they're not going to think before they take it. They're going to think, oh, okay, yeah. And then at the, at the end, they're going to say, oh, crap, I should have thought. So teach, think. Everyone out there, think. Study, think. In the way of Satan, I would suspect the mark of the beast wouldn't be so obvious as a forced government vaccine. Gives the man a little credit. Yeah, but except uh, in the, the book of Revelation. Of society. In the in the. It is. Yeah, but that's what all laws are. But in well, but in the book of Revelation, that's why we put people in ch- prison. That's why we. It's for the betterment of society, and if you don't take it, then you can no longer buy or sell with it. And because this vaccination, if if somebody comes out and says, "I'm sorry, but you can't enter into this grocery store," they're not going to stop you from buying outside. Trust me, stores want your money. Yeah, you're still going to get true. to buy it. Oh yeah, you just, you'll just drive up yes. and they'll Cash bring it out to your car. King. Oh dude, have you met DoorDash <laughs> and Instacart? We had, yeah. we had DoorDash so yesterday. Industry and for I all do kinds of Instacart can go anywhere. All the time. Favorite stuff about the pandemic is the fact that you don't have to go to the grocery store anymore. I mean, yeah, it's a little right? expensive, but oh, it's nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> I have the Instacart yearly thing, so I don't pay the delivery fee, just the tip. That's nice. I did it the other day and I gave him a tip and I said, never eat yellow snow. No, no, but I went. <laughs> That's an old joke. That's a... <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Have a great week. And next week, we'll talk to you with the whole drove of asses. Talk to you then. Bye. See ya. I went to, uh, I tried that delivery and it was fantastic. It caught with the tip and everything was like 17 bucks, but I was like, it was worth it. Yeah. It was yeah. Worth it's it. a little, especially the food. The food's, it, food ends up being a little expensive, but it's, yeah. Yeah. And I just ordered like two weeks worth of groceries at the time so that I didn't, you know, so I made it worth my, the tip and the delivery. Oh, oh, Ingles has something going on right now. You get an extra 30 cents off of gas if you'll order $50 worth of grocery and pick it up at the door. Hmm. 
Yeah, you could do that too, and it's actually a lot cheaper. Most yeah. places will accommodate you picking it up, and they'll just drop it right in your I car. I know, but then I have to get in my car. I know, it's so much yeah, but it's not that. <laughs> you can almost go buy an Ingalls coming home if you just take a right instead of going the other way. Yeah. You could just take a right, go a couple of miles, and you'll you'll drive right into it. I know, it's true. I just don't like taking rights. Like, I'd much rather go left and If get you're home not quicker. shopping at Aldi... You are you are an absurd fool. And you you are. are we yourself. shop at Aldi and Trader Joe's. I love that. The Aldi's. The we best. have talked about this before, and I have yet to do it. And even Colin told me the other day. Take he was a like, Carter. You are a moron. Why aren't you going to Aldi? Uh, so it's so much better. It's a, it is. Brit, it's it's a British place, but it's wonderful. It's German. No, it's can, I mean, it's yeah. Canadian. <laughs> Listen, it's British Canadian German, and I do not like it. No. And, yeah, and and I I think. Ralph was insinuating they actually they own Trader Joe's. That's their upscale line. Really? Yeah. You know, it's like how Toyota also has. Do they Lexus. own them because they purchased them, or do they, they own them because they, they did purchase okay, them? Right. Yes. And yeah, I you're right. It, it is a it is a German company. I just misspoke because I was thinking of a I French said, company. I said Canadian. So well, no German because they have it <laughs> in Germany. Audi is German, but it, 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 they have Audi. it in Germany because my aunt shops there. Oh yeah, but I was thinking of a different company that my my old boss used to work for. He came from Britain, and there's uh, it's, it's Tesco, I think it's called. Yeah, and that's similar. what I was thinking of. That's that's the British company that's similar to um, to Aldi. Aldi does not absolve all sins, but man, if you'll save thirty percent and you'll get seventy percent of your groceries. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a good place to yeah, shop. It really is. Hmm. It's better than going to the Dollar General. Or oh God forbid, what was that old place that where they put the near expired food? Oh, they still have it. It's on yeah, Henderson Go, Go Grocery. Yeah, Go the Grocery, grocery oh, Outlet. It always rough. stinks in there. It's always it dim too. And it doesn't I matter which one you go to either. It stinks. I haven't, I haven't been in there either. twenty years, but I went in. You know, I'd went in and I was like, it's the same floor that it was there twenty <laughs> years ago, and it was old then. That's why everything's so cheap. Yeah. But if you want to buy, if you want to buy something that's near coated. And you're going to eat it within, you know, the, the 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 expiration date. That's good prices. And I've I've shopped there. I've done things. You know, you can produce. It's, you know, you're going to tell if your produce is bad or not. So oh, yeah. produce is good there. Most canned goods don't, don't go out of all that that but fast. I had I went to China in 2007, and I was I was there because I was learning how to build lasers. And I was. That's pretty cool. It was cool, man. And I got to go, and I was so excited about getting to go. I was there for ten days. And I was warned. They said, do not eat fruit or vegetables while you're there because chances are they've been fertilized with human <clears throat> fecal matter. And, and it's mm. probably the Chinese fecal matter. And so it could possibly make you sick. And so don't, you know. And we were talking about like burning fires with human dung and all this stuff, you know. But when I was there, so I was like, okay, I won't, I won't, I won't eat that. So, but one of the customs, and by the way, it's a beautiful, I went to Beijing, it's beautiful there. Um, it, it really was. I mean, it stunk when I first got there, but they said that was the remnants of New Jersey. <laughs> but whenever I got there, uh, I was super excited, and I was. It, this was like this highly technical thing that I was learning. I was, you know, I'm going to be building lasers, man. It's awesome. And so while I'm while I'm over there, um, and I don't even know how I got on this topic. Why was I talking about China? Uh. Let's put it back into context. Vegetables. Shopping. Vegetables. Vegetables. Thank you. Vegetables. I, I started talking about lasers and like my mind just like, what? Yeah. I want to go learn Laser. how to build lasers. Uh, yeah, me too. That sounds awesome. Do you guys know yeah. what laser stands for? 
Light and simulated radiation, something like that. Light amplified by the stimulation of the emission of radiation. Ah. Yeah. So I learned a lot about... I was I was close, but not close enough to matter. Yeah, but it's a great uh, matter. It's a great way to remove <laughs> oh, a mustache. I didn't even realize. I'll take credit for that. <laughs> yeah. So I anyway, I went to dinner, and one of the customs they have is that the guests should eat more than than the host. I mean, that's just what they do, and they fed and fed and fed me, and I was eating like the chicken and eating all that stuff, and then they were like, "Here's a delicacy you've got to try: our wonderful watermelon." And I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, it looks really good. And I, out the window, like, forgot what they said. And so I yeah. ate the watermelon. And guys, I mean, I'm in China, and I get oh, back no. to my room, and I don't, I can't even leave the bed the next day. Ooh. Like, I'm talking terribly sick. I probably ate some Chinese humian poo. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I did it. Montezuma's revenge. Well, not really. Not Montezuma, that would be. But anyway, so I had, you know, I got really sick. I mean, it, was, it was terrible. I would I wouldn't trade it for the world though. I mean, I'd go back over and do that again. No, further. I would love to go there. Here, here's the deal with that particular sickness: if you can like, if you can get through it, mm -hmm. then you're good. You can eat other stuff. That's right. <laughs> right. So eat that the first day. Yeah. Yeah. Go there yeah. for a month and eat that the first yeah, you day. Just you got to get out of you got to get that out of the way. Gotta, well, yeah. yeah. If you're going into the the nether regions to to do things, you're gonna have to eat what's there. That's true too. So that's, I gotta be that's honest probably with you. good advice. I had stuff coming out of my nether regions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> it seems oh, really like any of this. That, that happens here on the microphone sometimes. Oh. <laughs> you missed a good one, Ralph. Last week. You missed a good one. Oh. Did you listen to it? Yeah, as a matter of fact I did. You did. You guys were all cutting up. Dad, did you like it? Yeah. It was fun. Especially, you know, the the donkey said, I, I went back and looked on that a little bit. The donkey said that was worth 80 shekels of silver. Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically that it was about the siege. It was so bad that that was a very expensive cost just for the, a donkey's head to eat. You like to get the cheek meat. Yeah, and the cab of dove's dung, it was for a small fire. It was so that you could burn. It was whatever you could get. It was pretty wild. <laughs> Yeah, you know? that's unfortunate. I can't even imagine. No, me either. 